to uh, introduce our reading uh, when it comes up, I'd like to introduce you to uh, this couple. Uh, the gentleman's name is Wang Yi, and his wife is Jian Rong. And Wang Yi is the leader of a very large church in China called the Early Reign Covenant Church. Towards the end of 2018, the authorities decided to really crack down on the Christian church. And the authorities seized Pastor Wang and his wife and about a hundred members of their congregation. They accused Pastor Wang of inciting subversion of state power and illegal business operations, by which they meant he was leading an unauthorized church and producing Christian books. Pastor Wang was convicted, fined and sentenced to nine years in jail for those offences. For the first three years of his imprisonment, up to around about the end of last year, the authorities wouldn't even let his family visit him. His, fa- his, his wife, Jian Rong, and their family are under 24-hour surveillance, with cameras installed in every room in their house. Their son Joshua has been removed from a Christian school and is now escorted every day to a state school to make sure he goes there. And they aren't alone. Many members of, of, of their church face ongoing persecution. One of their members was ordered to sign up for government correction work. Whatever that is, it, it doesn't sound very nice. And many others have been arrested by the Chinese authorities. And if there was time to go on with the the... Uh, the persecution and the challenges against this church, never mind many other churches throughout China. So they've obviously had a tough time. What effect has all this persecution and suffering had on the church? Well, since the government began their crackdown uh, at the end of 2018, this church, the Early Rain Covenant Church, has experienced Tremendous growth, with new members, new converts, and many baptisms. Pastor Wang describes the church in China as a church that has died and been resurrected, one that doesn't fear man. So to sum up, the church in China is suffering greatly as the authorities try their best to stamp it out. And yet, it keeps on growing why? How can that be? We're going to be thinking about that this morning. Uh, before we read a passage that might help us, a uh, couple of things to say about that. One, this, this is nothing new. Uh, Jesus predicted is, uh, this. He said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that he hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. And in a similar vein, uh, Paul, from his own experience, wrote, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. So that's, the church can expect persecution But how can a church like the Chinese church uh, continue to grow in spite of that? To find some answers, I'm going to read 
uh, from Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, it's page 1160 in the Church Bible, page 1160, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul writes, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. May the Lord bless his word to us this morning. We're going to be thinking of uh, three points <coughs> this morning, fairly briefly. Christians are thankful people. Christians are faithful people. Christians are hopeful people. First, Christians are thankful people. When you read the Bible, particularly the the book of Acts, you discover that the first followers of Jesus, the first disciples, face the same kind of treatment as Chinese Christians today. How did they react? A couple of sections from the book of Acts. First, Acts chapter 4. The, the, the Christians already are in trouble with the authorities. So the authorities uh, call, call them in. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves 
whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And the next chapter, the uh, uh, disciples are uh, undeterred by uh, that warning, because in the following chapter they say, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name, that's the name of Jesus. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. These early disciples simply spoke the truth. Um, it's, it's in, the, in the, the passage we read, it talks about setting forth the, the truth plainly. The simplest truth spoke the truth. What they had seen and heard of Jesus. What God had done for them. God had mercy on them. Mentioned mercy in, in, cha- in verse 1 of this passage. God had mercy on them. Jesus had died for them. He defeated death. He'd risen from the dead. He'd filled them with his Holy Spirit. They weren't talking about something they made up or read in a book. They were talking about their own personal experience. They couldn't help talking about it. It was good news. So whatever people threatened to do to them, whatever it might cost them, even being flogged, like in this, this incident we just read about, or, or worse, because of course we know eventually some of them were martyred for their faith, they just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. They loved him. They were so thankful for what he had done for them. And they certainly weren't going to deny him. And that's exactly the same reason why the Chinese Christians are willing to suffer. Like Paul, they know that God has had mercy on them. And they're so thankful. They keep talking about it, whatever the danger. They don't lose heart. Uh, I struck in this passage, the first and last verses both say the same thing. We do not lose heart. And the Chinese Christians don't lose heart. They simply set forth the truth plainly of what God has done for them and what he's willing to do for anybody who will turn to him and repent. Of course, it can be discouraging to share your faith because, as it says in, in this, this first section here, sometimes it seems people don't want to know. They just can't see it. Their eyes are blinded. But as we witness, and I'm, I'm sure you've had the discouragement of trying to talk to somebody about Jesus, and they just don't get it at all. But the passage goes on to say in verses 4 and 6 that we have a God who is able to, able to open blind eyes. In share your faith, nothing happens. You go on praying, share your faith again, nothing happens. But sooner or later, over the years, God is able to open the eyes of those who at the moment just don't see what all the excitement is about. Until eventually... They do see it and turn to Jesus. Uh, There's another Chinese Christian called Jen Wensheng who preaches the gospel on the streets. And for doing that, he gets thrown into prison for a couple of weeks. What does he do when he's released? If it was me, I might say, Lord, please keep me out of prison from now on. Now, what he does, two things. First of all, he prays for the people that he, he spoke to about Jesus while he was in jail, his fellow prisoners. He prays for them. And then he goes back out onto the streets again and preaches again and gets put in jail again. And the cycle continues. He, he preaches, he gets imprisoned, he shares the gospel, he comes out, he prays for those he's witnessed to, and he goes out and preaches again. And this wonderful cycle of sharing the gospel. And what the authorities are doing is actually playing into the hands of those who want the gospel to spread to everybody, even prisoners. Because he wants to tell people about Jesus. 
Christians are thankful people. How does this apply to us? If you're like me, you can feel very inadequate. Especially, you compare yourself with these, these believers and you say, gosh, I'm not like that. We'll come back to that later on. But first, we need to ask ourselves, do we have a story to tell about what God has done in our lives? Think about that well-known hymn, Amazing Grace, and the testimony of, of John Newton. He says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Is that our story? Are we excited by what God has done for us? If so, we won't want to keep it to ourselves. Ask God to show you the wonder what he's done for you and receive it for yourself. And next week, when we're going to be listening to a, to a talk from the Keswick Convention in our morning service, we're going to be encouraged more in terms of sharing our faith. That's the first thing. Uh, Christians are a thankful people. Secondly, Christians are a faithful people. Paul and his Christian friends had suffered for their faith. You see that, especially around about verses 7 to 9 of, of this passage, where, where, it, where it, it, it says... Um, we are hard pressed on every side but not crushed perplexed but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed so these early believers they were hard pressed they were perplexed they were persecuted they were struck down even given over to death but it was worth it every time they were knocked down the power of Jesus helped them to get up again They were faithful. They just kept on going, whatever people did to them. It's important to bear in mind that these first disciples, and for that matter, our Chinese friends, weren't supermen. They were just ordinary people who had met with Jesus. They were ordinary people, but they had an inner treasure. It talks here about, um, uh, we have this treasure in jars of clay. And... I guess a lot of you, like us, during the summer months, you have a whole assortment of pots and tubs and troughs and things uh, outside your house, whether at the front or at the back. We've got some at the front, some at the back on the patio. And, and at the moment, they look good, not because of any great gardening school by, by, by us, but just the, the wonders of God's creation and, and the flowers look so nice. Now, those plants are all in, in containers, so the containers aren't anything special, they're just plant pots. But when you, when you look at them, you don't look at the pots, you look at what's in them. And the picture is for us, that when people look at us, they don't see us, we're, we're like jars of clay, and we're like plant pots. They look at the treasure of Jesus in us. And isn't that an encouragement to us? Because if you feel when it comes to sharing your faith and being a witness, you're about as as useful as a plant pot. The fact is, that doesn't matter. It's Jesus living in us. These people weren't at all powerful in themselves. They felt very weak. But God's power worked through them. The Chinese Christians aren't supermen either. They're, again, just ordinary people like you and me. They also feel weak and inadequate, but they find that Jesus gives them the strength to go on telling people about him. How does this apply to us? Well, truth is under attack today. 
There are excellent reasons to believe in Jesus. We, we could have a whole sermon just on that. There are excellent reasons to believe in Jesus. The historical evidence is very compelling. If people just take the time to, to look at it and to consider for themselves, as, as, as I did years ago, and I know others have done the same. And there are really good reasons to believe in Jesus, just on the basis of, of, of the historical facts, underlying facts, about the death, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. Other things, you look at the world around you and the beauty and complexity of creation. You look at the discoveries of science. Science is a friend of the Christian because it reveals more and more of God's glory, reveals more and more of the complexity. Um, when you look at something like the, the DNA in every cell in our bodies, it's so complicated, it's so well organised, someone must have designed that. So that encourages us. Actually, paradoxically, even the suffering in this world uh, encourages us to believe in Jesus, because that's exactly what the Bible shows us we would expect the world to be like. A world which on the one hand is wonderfully created with all its beauty and complexity, and yet which is spoiled by something. The Bible explains that completely. But that's the most wonderful at all, of, of all. More than just the historical evidence or the beauty of the world around us, the discoveries of science, suffering in the world, that's the most wonderful thing of all is the evidence of changed lives. And I guess a lot of us can talk about that and how God has changed our lives. So there's plenty of good reason to believe in God, to believe in Jesus. But all around us, in the popular culture, including the TV, there are voices, many voices, claiming that it isn't true. Because people don't want to believe in a God who might make some demands on how they live. We may not, in, that, in this sort of environment, we may not face imprisonment like the Chinese yet. But it can still be very hard for us to stand out for truth among our family and friends. To be seen to be different, to be made fun of, or to be shunned because of what we know is true. Like Paul and his friends, uh, as Paul wrote this passage, we can feel very weak and inadequate. But we're not alone any more than they were, because Jesus is living in us, as he was with Paul, as he is with the persecuted Christians around the world. Um, when I was a student, and now we're going back a few years, but when I was a student... Uh, I remember one week in our Bible study group, we were talking about the persecuted church. In those days, the, the main area of persecution was in Eastern Europe, all these countries that were under communist rule, especially Romania, you may have heard of Richard Wormbrandt. We were talking about people like Richard Wormbrandt, and we were saying to ourselves, oh, if, if we were in their position, I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't think we could, could cope with that persecution. Uh, but one girl in our group said something which I'm sure is true. She said... I'm sure that just like those Romanian Christians, if we were in that situation, God would give us the grace to stand firm and to hold on to him. And I believe that's true for a lot of us here today. If, if that sort of persecution uh, came here, if what happened to the early rain church in, in China uh, came to us in Horwich, I believe God would give us the grace also to stand firm for him. Finally, Christians are hopeful people. The final verses of this chapter, the last third, uh, speak about our future hope, the hope of heaven. When Jesus spoke about persecution, he said, Blessed are you 
when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Maybe some of us experienced that already. But when we persecute, what should we do? He says, rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. And Jesus says that one thing you should always do when you persecute is look to the future and our wonderful hope of heaven, our great reward in heaven. In the same way that God raised Jesus from the dead, one day, if you're a Christian, he will raise you also to a new life forever with him. Because of that, whatever we suffer in this world, we don't lose heart. It's there again in verse 16, as it was in verse 1. We don't lose heart. We don't give up because we have great hope. And in the last couple of verses of this, of this chapter, uh, Paul gives us two pictures First in verse 17, a picture of a set of scales. You know, the old-fashioned kitchen scales with a pan on either side. And imagine those scales. And on one side of the scales, we'll load up all our troubles here and now. Whatever we're suffering, pain, disability, uh, loneliness, family problems, anxiety, all sorts of things. Let's put those in the pan on that side, including whatever we suffer for our faith. And that's a fair weight, isn't it? Those things may well be considerable. But then on the other side, we put eternal glory. The joy of entering the presence of Jesus and being with him forever. How do those balance out on the scales? You put the, put the troubles on one side, and the scales tip down quite a lot on that side. But then you put the eternal glory that we're going to experience on the other side, and bam! The scales go right down to the side, because the troubles we face here and now, and we, we don't trivialise them, but, you know, the glory is so wonderful that whatever we suffer now is nothing. It says it's far outweighed by the glory that we will be revealed in us when we, when we see Jesus. That's one picture, the scales. The second one, verse 18, our eyes. Where do we fix our eyes? Where do we focus our attention? On what we can see or what we can't see? Common sense might say, you focus on what you can see. But those things we can see are only temporary. They'll all pass away. In a few years' time, quite a few of us will be gone. And all the things that we had and owned and treasured in this world will be gone as well. They won't last, but we'll have Jesus. Because the unseen blessings of heaven, of knowing Jesus, are just as real as anything in this world and they are eternal. And yet we can get so preoccupied, we can get so down with the things of the here and now, which may trouble us, may annoy us, may even hurt us for a little while now. And I know it isn't easy, and you're probably suffering things right now, and say, oh, it's, it's, it's really tough. Um, and, uh, but, but how hard things are, it's, it's therefore easy to forget the blessings of heaven that will never end. It's so easy to get dragged down with what we're going through now and the present situation that is only temporary and forget almost completely the joy that awaits, awaits us. I wonder, when we have our cup of tea afterwards or any time we chat to each other, what dominates our conversation? Is it all our troubles and we share our troubles and we just sink lower and lower? Or do we talk about what awaits us? 
how wonderful Jesus is now, but how much more wonderful it will be when we're with him forever. In a world without end, where there'll be nothing to spoil it. No sickness, no pain, nor sorrow, no separation. Let's get preoccupied with those things, and not our present troubles that won't last, however hard they are at the moment. Focus on those things, because that's where the Chinese Christians fix their eyes. So they're willing to suffer for a short time now. Let's fix our eyes on exactly the same blessings as them, and share the same wonderful hope as them. To summarise, Christians are meant to be thankful people, faithful people, hopeful people. It's easy to think that we're failures. Look at the Chinese church, we think, oh, I'm not up to that stand. We think we're failures. But we should get great encouragement from what the Bible says, because the experience of those Chinese Christians can be ours as well. We have the same God as them, who has been merciful to us, just like as he has to them. A saviour who loved us, died us, rose for us, and is with us now as we face all the taunts of this world. And on that wonderful day, he will receive us into glory forever. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Thank you because of all you've done for us, Lord, in spite of our weakness and our many failings and mistakes and sin. Lord, we can be thankful because you've had mercy on us. We can serve you faithfully because you are with us to give us the strength we need to stand for you. And Lord, we can be full of hope because of all that awaits us with our Lord Jesus when this brief life is over. Help us, Lord, to serve you like that, that in the time that we're here, people through us may see Jesus and encounter you for themselves. For your name's sake. Amen. Um, before we share communion we're going to sing again um, about uh, God's amazing love it, it's, it's uh, a, a song in which, in which we, we, we just thank Jesus for his love for us that we're going to be remembering in communion in, in a few moments and we say I'm forgiven because you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned goes on to say amazing love how can it be you, my King, would die for me. Let's let's stand to sing. Mm-hmm.